I don't feel like anyone's talking. They're blockers. That's not why I came to Hollywood. Fucking backwards. Bulls. Shit. I hate to break it to you. Ladies and gentlemen, mm. today we have a young, up-and-coming comedian. I have a lot of questions for her. Ooh. She has a lot of history in different <laughs> things in this world. I'm just going to introduce her right away. Please welcome Vanessa Johnson. Yeah. I just changed my name. To? Violet Jones. No, you didn't. I did. 100%? A week ago. Legally? Well, not legally, just stage, stagely. Why? Publicly. Um, it was a couple of things. One, just everyone thought my last name was Johnson when it's Johnston. Yep, my bad. That's the, you just did it, even you did it. Like, it's just the, all Johnstons everywhere just misunderstood as Johnsons. And so, um, that, and then, I don't know, I guess just people always had issues remembering my name. And then I did a lot of ayahuasca during covid Wow. A lot, a lot, like six ceremonies in a year, which is a lot. And, what? Um, yeah. And How much, is, isn't a ceremony two two things? What do you mean? Oh, you mean two nights? Yeah. So I did, I did three weekends, six ceremonies, because a ceremony is one, one ceremony is a night. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You sit down in a, because like people go to Peru and they'll do 10 ceremonies because they do a ceremony a night. Why did you do all that? Wait, there's so much happening. Why did a you? Do, why? Okay, so let's. I'm gonna ask you about that. But tell mm-hmm. me about why you changed your name. Um, I just felt like, well, one, it was hard to remember, and then Vanessa Johnston. I don't know. Just a lot of people. A lot of people couldn't remember it when they brought me up, and then just a lot of people just had issues saying it, and so I was like, okay. And then I always kind of wanted to change it. I tried changing it. 10 years ago when I first moved to LA, I tried changing it to Vanessa Violet because that's my middle name. And then everyone's like, so um, what porn, where, where do you do your porn at? Because <laughs> I guess Vanessa Violet's very porny. And so I am. Um, VV. Yeah. V squared. I guess if your last name is a flower, they're just like, nope, this girl sucks dick for a living. And um, so I, uh, I don't know. And then and then when I did ayahuasca, I kind of felt like, oh, you know what? I think one thing that I've struggled with for ever since I started stand up is who. I mean, let me know if you struggle with this. Yeah. Do you define yourself as Jamie Kennedy separate from Jamie Kennedy, the comedian? Or are they one and the same to you? Uh, ultimately, Jamie Kennedy should be Jamie Kennedy, the comedian, meaning I should be who I am in real life on stage to get the best, honest results. Right. But if I was doing a character like Jamie Kennedy, you know, there's definitely people that have versions of me of what they think I am. Right. So I'm not totally who I am on stage, although that's what you really should be. So I, I, I get that, that like you, Jamie Kennedy should Jamie Kennedy's essence should be in Jamie Kennedy, the comedian. Yes. Unless you're doing a totally different character. Right. But then the reverse, right? So like, who is Jamie? If Jamie Kennedy, the comedian, and Jamie Kennedy are one and the same, what happens if Jamie, the comedian, is gone? If Jamie, the comedian, is gone, meaning the name? 
No, just you as a comic. It's gone. Then oh, I don't do the comedy anymore? Yeah. Well, I'm still just Jamie Kennedy, the normal right. person. So you're mentally probably fine. But for me, I felt like, um, I constantly felt like, I always felt like I was most myself on stage. Mm-hmm. Right? Like Vanessa, the comic, was was good. But then a lot of times when I was off stage, I felt like I had to be more. Like, oh, when I'm off stage, I have to be funny all the time. Or when I'm off stage, um, I was just constantly judging myself that I wasn't enough off stage. Mm-hmm. As opposed, on stage, I felt very fine, like normal, great. And so I think for me, it's been kind of nice having a dissonance, just that Viola Jones is the comedian. And that's the comedy part of my life. And even if stand-up, let's say I no longer could do stand-up again, or like stand-up comes in ups and downs, right? And if stand-up goes or is great, or if it's shitty, wherever it is in its, its life cycle, it doesn't, it doesn't determine the value of Vanessa. Yeah, Like Vanessa's value is not contingent on comedy, if that makes sense. They're two different things. And like Vanessa isn't funny all the time Vanessa is interested in things that probably a comic wouldn't be interested in like so this kind of creates a dissonance for me which is nice yes so those are the two sort of catalysts of why Violet Jones came to life you're totally saying what every performer would feel you just compartmentalized it and made it official yeah so that's cool she has a name yeah so it's like Mm -hmm. that's Violet Jones that's my stage persona just Mm -hmm. like you know, Eminem is one thing. Slim Shady is another thing. Within Eminem, Marshall Mathers is different, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, you know, yeah, you can be... People that don't change their name still feel the way you feel. So I think that uh, totally makes sense. I think Violet Jones works for you. Thank you. It goes with who you are. Yeah. Why did you do ayahuasca? Who am I interviewing, by the way? Violet or Vanessa? <laughs> I don't know. I honestly, it's, it's been a week. I, this is a newborn baby. It is a newborn baby thing. I mean, you know, what's interesting is that I don't, um, like, I think if I was coming on purely as a comic, it would, I probably would be more. And that's another thing that would happen on podcasts. People are like, she's a comic. Why isn't she funny? And it's like, well, that's like a part of me that doesn't happen all on the time. podcasts. Yeah. Sometimes I've had You're not having to complain. be, no one, comics are right. never really. See, Jamie, you're so mentally, you're, um, you're so well adjusted. I think oh. I read the YouTube comments, which I, sh- you probably don't, do you? Uh, all the time. You do? Of course. So why we do it? Right. So, okay. I think just me. anyone who says they don't lies. Yeah. Just me. I think right now I would assume. Wait. So why did you do so much ayahuasca? Mm-hmm. Six times. Six times. Your energy is different. Yeah. People say that. Is it better? It's more. Calm comfortable and calm yeah not that you were a wild nut but you definitely probably felt like you had to put on try stuff there was trying for sure um well ironically the reason i started it was because i felt like as a performer and as a comic it takes a very long time to let go of fear of failure right and so for me the fear of failure and my ego is getting in the way of me doing like act outs on stage and like the things that I wanted to do. And I felt like there was this barrier. And so I did ayahuasca initially to sort of dismantle my ego with the hopes that I would become a better performer. And then I realized that when I went there, there was all these other things that I had to work on, right? It's like an onion. 
mm-hmm. or you peel back a layer and then you were like, oh, there's a whole nother fucked up layer down here that I have to mm-hmm. figure out and work on. And, um, and the, when you're on the medicine, you get, um, everyone's experience is different. But for me, I had a very verbal sort of dialogue with the medicine. So like the medicine, that's the ayahuasca. Yeah. Okay. So she would speak to me and be like, Hey, like you're working on this right now in the ceremony, but you have to come back and work on this other thing. Is this the medicine? Is this the ayahuasca lady? Yeah. Her spirit. A lot of people. Is there spirit or is it actual human? No, it's spirit. Okay. Yeah. So she was like, you have to come back again. And I kept getting that every, every, every time I did it, every weekend I did it, the first night I was like, why the fuck did I come back? This is the most painful thing I've ever done. Why? Why am I here again? This is the worst idea. And then the second night you learn things, you become better. It's healing. And you're like, okay, you know what? I'm glad I did that. Glad I fixed myself. I'm perfect now. And then right when you feel like you've kind of reached that place, she talks to you and is like, hey, there's this other fucked up thing about you. You should come back and work on it again. So the medicine kind of talks to you. And so I kept getting called back. It's very strange listening to it. I think for someone who hasn't done it, um, it seems like, uh, you know, it's very hard. It's very, I would akin it to, if you can imagine doing ayahuasca, it would be as if you could remove the veil between this world and like the uh, spirit world, right? So Mm -hmm. like, and I was never religious before ayahuasca. I didn't believe in an afterlife. I thought that when you died, you didn't exist anymore and there was nothing. And so if you do believe, I don't know what your beliefs are in terms of like afterlife or if you believe in like your soul exists or do you believe you have a soul? Do yes. you believe that stuff? Okay, so so when you die, do you think your soul like goes somewhere? Uh, like, it's a longer convo, but I kind of think we just are a spirit soul. I think we're actually just, uh, consciousness mm-hmm. and this could be an avatar uh-huh. and then this will go into another thing. Okay. Perfect. We, it'll keep going. Right. Okay. So imagine if you mm-hmm. remove the veil, right? Because if you believe souls exist, then theoretically souls are all around us. We just can't see them. Right. Mm-hmm. Even if they're not in a body. So imagine you can remove that veil and you can see everything on the other side. That's what ayahuasca sort of does. It thins that veil. So you can kind of... Like another sense. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, I've experienced where I, like, was able to, like, see my my dog who passed mm-hmm. away, like, different souls. Like, it, 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 um, it thins that veil. And I would... It'd be like if you... Imagine if you took something and for eight hours you could speak to God or whoever you believe that is, right? That un- the universe you can communicate with. I don't remember why we were, well, where this was going. Um, You're talking about how you did it six times. Wait. Oh, yeah. So it kept calling me back saying like, oh, you have to work on this. You have to work on this. Are you, and you're violently ill the, sick, the second day or the first day? The f- so... When you have things that are inside of you that have to be purged them out, purged out, yeah. So like, um, and it was very hard for me the first the first night I did it ever. I I like I was very ego driven. My life, so much of my life was based on ego, and I I that came from primarily like my upbringing. My father, my father would tell me like if I got a B, he would tell me I wasn't his child. 
oh, you're a failure. You're not my kid. If I got an A, oh, I love you. Wow. Yeah. So um, my dad was very verbally, very abusive. Very. He was suicidal my whole life. Uh, he committed suicide a couple years ago. He shot himself oh. in the head. But he would. He I'm would. So um, yeah. Thank you. It's it's funny because when you're a child of having a parent who's suicidal, it just like becomes just another thing. Like it's just like, oh yeah, my dad wants to kill himself again this week, and and um, you become almost like desensitized to it in a way. And so my dad, because he, whenever I wasn't good enough, if I didn't perform to his expectations, then I didn't deserve love. That creates. Um, the back of your mind, like an ego driven life, right? Oh, if I'm not pretty enough, I, I am not worthy. I shouldn't be outside. Or, so it's very ego driven. That's probably partly what you were talking about that, like that you sensed before. Mm-hmm. Um, and you develop that as a, a, a defense mechanism, right? Cause that's how you're surviving in those circumstances. And so when I went the first night to do ayahuasca, my body didn't want to give that up. It like had clung so so hard to the ego that the first night I was like dry heaving. I couldn't, I couldn't let it go. I was like very, very sick and I couldn't throw up and I wanted to die. I was like, I don't want to live anymore. This is a horrible. And, um, and I, after that first night I was like, I need to figure out a way not to do the second night. Cause mm-hmm. you stay there. You're supposed to do the second. And I was like, what am I going to, and I never lie. I'm a very honest like person. And I was like, I need to come up with an excuse mm-hmm. that I, Oh, I have to go. Like I can't go back. And, but I committed to it the second night and my, the shaman, one of the shamans there helped me work through it. And, and I threw it up. I like threw up my ego and, um, and that was like, I've heard all this before. You from have multiple people. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. But you've how, done it the most I've heard. Like, oh, really? I heard if you do it two times, it's insane. You did it six, six. times. That's 12 days. Of no, in- six days. But it's two times each day. It's two, isn't each trip two times, two days? Um, no. Oh, that's a weekend. Okay. Right, right. So I did three, cer- three weekends, six ceremonies. Okay. That's insane. Yeah. So six ceremonies total. Because there are some people that will go, that's what I was saying earlier. Like there's some people that will go and do like a week. Right. And then that's seven ceremonies. Like if you go to Peru, but I was doing a weekend, two nights and each ceremony lasts about six to 10 hours. Um, yeah. So it's a long, it's a long time. It's like doing 20 years of therapy in a night. It's one of the most painful yet rewarding experiences a person can have. Cause you don't realize like we don't realize the things that are holding us back, you know? A hundred percent. Yeah. We're driven by the uh, unconscious and the ego. Ego. Yeah. 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 I love you know that. That's cool. Wow. That was an intense way to start this pod. It was. This was, I was going to start with some easy questions. Staring at all your movie posters. (laughs) I had no idea you did so many movies. Wait, see, I'm egoless, Vanessa. Look, just look around. There's no ego. But you know what? But celebrating things that you've accomplished is not ego. That's not ego. Well, yeah, that's you should be really I, proud of all the things you've done. I you've am. worked really hard for them. I've had one little, you know, this is my little room. I have more, and I just, this is like the little room of like, yeah, like I love it. Trophy room. Thank it's you. Beautiful. You have you? I don't want to. That's incredible. But I have so much to ask you, and that's yeah, insane. Sure. I feel like you've done ayahuasca since I saw you. I feel like your energy I, has even shifted more. Yeah, I did it. I, I my. Did my, you do it? 
within a month June, or two months? Yeah. Oh, you June, did. I did. You June, did. June I'm like, this is a different person. Violet's here. Yeah, Violet's here. What's up? <laughs> June 12th. I did the last. Let me ask you. Let me ask you some basic questions. Yeah, sure. How old are you? Twenty nine. Twenty nine. Thirty in October. Thirty. The me big thirty. Thirty. Yeah. Good. Your life's just starting. What? When did you start doing comedy? Um, twenty. I didn't. I started in two thousand fifteen. I was twenty four. Something like twenty three. Okay. Twenty three. What, well, I was already, I, you already told me so much that I understand why you started mm-hmm. and the backstory with your father and your family. And I'd like to get into that. I was going to ask you why you started, but tell me why you started. And then I'll, then I already think I know why, but why did you start? Um, because it's the most painful art form. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because the, and you have an interesting background. Yeah. You were on America's you. next top model. Yes, I was. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> My favorite intro. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. But you've, I don't know what else. I think, I think you've acted in some things. I did a little, I did a, a couple, um, couple of TV shows. Yes. Like a movie. And I was a guest on what, My Mature Mother. And what was the movie? Um, I did this. Uh, so it's funny. I, whenever I start something, which I think is very important, whenever you start something, make make your make a goal that you're like I can't quit this thing until I accomplish this. So when I was an actor, which happened by just happenstance, I didn't have any aspirations to be one. Okay. When I when I became an actor, um I told myself, "All right, I'm not going to quit this until I am a lead in a movie and I have a trailer and it says my name on it." That was my rule. <laughs> can't, can't quit. For stand up, I told myself I can't quit until I do Madison Square Garden. Jesus. Yeah. So like, I can't quit stand up until I do Madison Square Garden. But there's, I, I was like, then you won't quit. You'll just want to do. The well, there's Boston workarounds. Garden. I'm like, I, I could just be like a feature for somebody. Like, I didn't say I had a headline. I just said I had to be. Ah, okay. Okay. <laughs> so there's workarounds that. But um, so for for acting, it was that. I was like, all right, I can't quit until I have a movie trailer with my name on it, and that movie was it. And um, it was this kind of like comedy, sci-fi, low-budget, independent movie. It still counts. It still have my name on What's the What's it called? It was called Jurassic City. Okay. So it was like this, um, it's about these girls that are, uh, they go to jail. And then the jail, like, it was like a government program was housing dinosaurs. And then the dinosaurs escape. And then there's these girls in jail trying to escape around these dinosaurs. It's like very yeah. low-budget. Um, CGI surprisingly good for the budget. And did it come out? It did. Yeah, it did. It came out uh, years ago. So I did that movie and then I was like, all right, I did it. I can quit now. (laughs) Okay. So these are like little things to see if you can do. Yeah. You did that. Quit. You did America's Next Top Model. Yes. How far did you go? I got fired the first day. Okay. All right. Well, you got yeah. on the show. They told me I had to be bitchier. And I was like, I'm going to be America's sweetheart. And then they still edited me to be such a cunt. Really? Which just goes to show the power of, of editing. Yeah. editing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Because you you do have some bite to you. Yeah. So the fact that you were going to be the sweetheart and they say you have to be bitchier. I don't think you're a bitchy, but you're Did not. Did you watch it? No. Oh. But I don't know. But I don't think you're a pushover. So the fact that they wanted you to be bitchy. They wanted me to be mean to people. Oh, yeah. Like, and I was, I was bullied as a kid. Like, I would never, I don't, I don't know. I'm like, I really, 
If you're just bullying people just because, I don't know, that just seems fucked up to me. No, yeah, they're doing it for the TV. I'll bully, I'll bully people to defend b- people that are being bullied, bullied, which is what kind of happened on the show. But they, um, they're really good about asking you questions and then making... So the rule for reality... I don't, have you done reality? Yeah. So I don't know if they did this on your show, but for mine, what they would do is they make you answer... Whatever question they asked you, you had to say the question and the answer. Mm-hmm. So like if they're yeah. like... Was Jamie Kennedy a slut? You'd be like, was Jamie Kennedy a slut? Well, maybe not really. But then they cut out Jamie Kennedy was a slut. They can cut out just that part. No, if they say like, do you find that Jamie Kennedy was a slut? Then you have to come back. Um, Jamie Kennedy was a slut. I'm not sure. Or I heard that. Yeah. Yeah. And then they'll be like, Jamie Kennedy was a slut. Yes. (laughs) They can cut out those little pieces. So that's what they did. Sound bites. Yeah. They sound bite you. They did. And they Sneaky got you. motherfuckers. But to be fair, I ended up after I quit being an actor, I worked as a producer in film and television and I ended up I, one of the things I worked on was in reality. Yeah. And so I was on the other side trying to make the sound bites. And so yeah. I, I respect both sides because they're like, yeah, you're trying to make television. You have to do the best you can do. And you it's hard when as a producer, a lot of, you know, when you work in reality, you're the writer in a way when you're a producer. And so you're like, all right, you cast these random strangers that you hope are going to fit these character archetypes. Yeah. And then you just try. And the crazy part is every reality TV person thinks they're the hero, but there's only one hero. You, I mean, in a show or in a movie, right. In like a written movie, you have like the hero, you have the, the, you know, like the, um, what's the, the term, like the Yoda, the spiritual guide, you have the mentor, the, you have the mentor, you have the, you know, all these different character archetypes in a, in a good movie or a good show. Mm. And in reality TV, you're trying to find people to fill those archetypes and guide them into those places. But no one, they all think they're the hero. Yes. So there's like a, a kind of a disconnect there. Ugh. So wait, so you did, okay. So you did. The acting, you did America's Next Top Model, you did mm-hmm. your movie. So how did you get into stand-up? So this, oh my, this guy. If it's hot, let me know. If, no, 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 I'm good. Okay, Are no. you hot? I'm all right. You just want an excuse to take your shirt off. <laughs> really? anyway. How did you start and what, what made you start? Um, I, this guy took me on a date to Oddball Comedy Festival. and What city? It was in um, Orange County. Okay. And you I never. Yeah, I was here. I okay. never, this was like six years ago. I'd never been, I didn't know stand-up existed. Wow. Yeah, I never knew stand-up You never existed. heard of like Steve Martin, no. Andy Murphy, Joan Rivers? I didn't have cable as a kid. Okay, yeah. So um, I didn't know stand-up existed and I was, I get there, I'm like, wait, what the fuck is this? This is crazy. Okay. This is insane. I can't believe this exists. And Chris D'Elia was on stage mm. and I was just so, just like, just like this person is like the most amazing person I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. This guy is so funny. Mm-hmm. This is so crazy that this is a thing. And I was on the speech and debate team in high school and I would do all these like weird voices and I was like, I wish there was a career where I could just like talk and like talk about things and make voices. And I didn't know, I didn't know it even existed. And then I'm sitting there watching Crystal and I'm like, this is the thing that I was, that I'm like supposed to be doing. Okay. And, um, and then I started. So you saw Chris. Yeah. He was murdering. Crushing. Cru- in the daylight at, a, at Oddball. This is like at three o'clock on a Wednesday. 
Wow. Just in the fucking sun. Yeah, so you got a super intro to comedy. So he's killing it. Doing the drunk girls bit. Okay. This is like back then when he was doing drunk girls. Okay. Yeah. And so then you you like got this divine intervention Mm -hmm. and then you're like, bam. Yeah. I was like, I need I'm gonna start comedy. I got to. So then how did you start? Who was was the guy who took you a comedian? No, he was so boring. He was so boring. I never talked to him again. Oh, you don't want to. I have to no. cut that out. I don't want to hurt the guy's feelings. I don't care about his feelings. I don't okay. even know him. There's the ego. <laughs> Ayahuasca. <No>. <laughs> that's not ego. You got to be He's empathetic. Not... Oh, okay. that's true. I know. So you so, see Chris. He murders. So good. Three o'clock in the afternoon. So good. You're like mesmerized. You, you all of a sudden are like, I got to try comedy. I was like, I have to do this. And this. S- so what happened? I bought a book, which is the worst way to start stand up. My like a not terrible. What book was it? Judy, Judy. Oh, that's a good book. Yeah, the comedy bible. Yeah, it's and, a great book actually. It's very, well, she's a legend. She is a legend. She is. I haven't reread it since, but I read it, and um, and it didn't make sense to me. I was like, this isn't. This it, it didn't click with me. Didn't click. No, and so I was like, fuck, dude, I really want to be a stand-up, but I guess I'm not supposed to because this book doesn't make sense to me. Totally. It was like, because um, I, I think if you're already, that book is probably good for someone who is not uh, organized. If you're like a left-brain person, like a math science person, reading a comedy book just makes you more in your head when you need to be the opposite, right? I feel like that book- Is left-brain the creative or the- or the the, op, the uh, other one. Right yeah. brain is the cre- uh. right brain's creative. I feel like that book would probably been good for someone that's a right brain. Like a guy who's like, I'm just the funny guy. I want to go outside. And then she creates structure for you. But for me, I was such a structured person. I needed to learn how to be less structured. And it just made me more structured. And I was like, I don't think I, I'm not supposed to do this. So I, I paused it for six months. I was like, I, uh, this doesn't make sense. And then I went to the improv. This is when I was working at HBO. And a bunch of people. Doing what? Um, I was an assistant in development. You were okay, yeah. Yeah, and so yeah, you've had some crazy jobs. I have, yeah, I have. That's a whole other story. Yes, <laughs> it has. Yeah, I have a lot of career things. Um, yeah, but a bunch of people from HBO were like, "We're going to the Improv. We're going to go see a comedy show." And this is the second time I've, I'm ever going. Right, so six months after you saw Chris. Yeah, so yeah. I go with, and at this point, I gave up doing comedy because I was like, "Oh, I'm not supposed to do it." This book, like, well, you never tried it yet. No, I hadn't tried it. You gave up the idea of trying it. Yes, I did. Okay, I was like, ahead. "This isn't." Yeah, so we go to the improv, and um, and Ali Wong was on stage. Yep. This was like before she was. Well, famous. you really intro to like your first two shows are killer and killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ! Okay. I know. Um, but there was other people on the lineup, but they, they obviously stuck out to me mm-hmm. and I saw Ellie Wong and this was before she was like known really that she was, this was six years ago before her specials. And, and I was like, Oh my God, this girl's amazing. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, wait, she's not doing what the book says. Mm-hmm. This isn't what the books told me to do. Mm-hmm. And then I saw the couple other comments went up. Dane was on that show. A couple people. I was like, that person's not doing what the book says. Mm-hmm. I was like, wait, that book is wrong. <laughs> Well, in defense of the book, it's just uh-huh. a way to gather your ideas right, right, right. to start. You know what I mean? What but if sales were? Well, I just think that book's not. I think I'm. I'm. Listen, I don't read the books, uh-huh. but I. I actually think that's a. But you read book. the book. I read that book. Sure. I should rewrite it. I, I read re- that book after like ten years doing comedy. And you were like, "This is helpful." Yeah, 100%. I should reread it. 
I've read a few books after, like 10 uh-huh. years. What's your favorite one? There's a great book by uh, Dick Gregory. I forget the name of it, but someone will Comedy help. Toolbox. No, it's another one, but he takes it from a, an idea to a joke to a bit to a hunk to a set. And it's all, it builds up. Dick Gregory's got one of the greatest books. I, I'll put the name in the title. Okay. And also, uh, that was, just, I just, I started, I was also books about comedy, like. Like Steve Martin's book. Yeah, I have that. But you have to, you know, not to, you know, do that. But a couple of these books I've been mentioning, so I read them. I love what a student of comedy you are. Well, only like after. You love comedy. Only after. No, know, not, not like, not like a super more, student. But that's even more impressive that you did it after you already were you well, know, succeeding in a way. Well, because I was getting successful, but I was, oh, how can I say it? I was successful and I was making a lot of money, but I wasn't really, had the drill down on the art form. And it's mm. a different thing to just, you can go out there and make jokes and laugh and do whatever and make, you know, 20 G's or whatever at a college or something, but it doesn't mean you're good at it yet. Mm-hmm. And so... To get good at it, you got to build, you know, a strong hour. And then to do that, that's how you learn these tricks. What did you feel like at that time when you felt the calling through these books? What did you feel like your comedy was missing? Uh, well, I did my first. So when it's a long story, but the long, the easiest way to do it is this. It's like, so when I started, it was very different than it is now. So you would just try to go in you do open mics forever. Like, oh, there was no Starbucks when I started. So we literally played at coffee houses. So like Indigo Girls and like, you know, hippie singers, poets, mm-hmm. you know, dancers. I'm not kidding you. And comedians. And so it was like a hodgepodge and everybody went late night. Which is one of the best ways to become good because then you have to be good. Yeah. You have to like, like when you have to follow some titties, you get your yeah. got to be strong. It was, yeah, there was some strip clubs. It was, but it was like Venice. It was Simi Valley. It was North Hollywood. It was Reseda. It was all over. And then you would sign up and try to get a spot at the improv and it would take weeks. And then you had to work. So you work. It's kind of where it's still kind of still like that is now. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I hear people pay, which is crazy. We never had to pay. We people never, have to pay to do spots? People pay, I guess, to do some open Oh, mics. to do mics, yeah, yeah. We yeah. never did that. We okay. just signed up, and we would go anywhere. So then you try to get your first five minutes. You, you, you try to get spots in the club, and then the first five minutes, you get a nice, tight five minutes. Then TV, you showcase. Then you can try to get in the club, but really TV executives look. And if you have a tight five or seven minutes, then you get your first TV spot. Mm -hmm. So then you have that and you have your first TV credit. The club's like you, you start getting a spot maybe once a week and then you work into a primo spot and then you get another, another TV credit. So you do like kind of, kind of goes, it's like a seesaw and you do little stuff. Comedy central had something called interstitial. So they would play, you know, 30 seconds of a bit of you or something like that. And so, so you kind of got interspersed and stuff. MTV, and then you work. And so then I started getting, you know, but you're acting, you're doing, you're trying to do everything. Mm-hmm. So everybody was always trying to act. Everybody was always doing comedy. Everybody was doing guest spots and stuff. Long Sounds like stressful. Like people are very, they're chasing, chasing. We're all chasing, chasing all day, yeah. every day. And you, but there was a lot of showcases, which was cool. A lot what, of pressure. Yes. Tons of pressure. Yeah. But then I started getting successful. And so when I started getting successful, I started getting successful more as an actor and not as a comedian, but I started as both. So then I started getting headline spots right away, but I only had about 15 minutes. Fuck. So I was like, because I went from like four years in the open mic circuit with sporadic spots in town, very little in the A clubs, 
to all of a sudden people are like, hey, I, you know, he can headline B clubs. And I was like, eh. so great comics like, you know, Bob Saget, Rick Overton, Craig Shoemaker, they allowed me to open for them. And I would do like 15 minutes and that was enough. And then I learned how to middle, even though people wanted me to headline. And then I started headlining these clubs off the grid, no social media. And then I'd bring greater comics and I would do like 20 minutes and we would do like four 20 minute shows and be enough. So everybody would do 20 mm -hmm. and then I would sign autographs and then I built a 20, 25, 30, 30. So in colleges, all I had to do was 20. So I got started getting booked at my level and then I got better and better, but I was more, you know, I, you know, people do me 40 minutes and I could do 30, you know, it was 10 mm -hmm. minutes of where are you from, you know, what's your major, that type of shit. But people liked it. But then when I got to do my first special about 10 years after in the game ish, 11 years, I finally was like, my agent's like, let's put it together. Blah, blah, blah. Long story. So then I was like, I need an hour. So I only had like 35 minutes. So then I had to really drill down, sit down with my writer and help fucking. So that's when I really started getting the books. I'm like, this needs a lot you of work. You had a writer. Of course. Really? I have, no, I have. My ideas, uh -huh. but some of my best jokes, you'll see some of them are me, but some of them just a comic at the improv. Give me a, just go, yo, Little try tag. this tag. Uh, my, if I gave you credit to everyone who tagged up my special, it'd be 10 people. Wow. So I, I, I did that. Or, like, or some people watch my stuff and say, yo, can I just give you 10 jokes and I'll take them and I'll be like, yeah, so definitely don't be ashamed of that. I'm mm -hmm. not, I don't, I write a lot of my stuff, but I also have help. I mean, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that. Well, sometimes it's nice. Like I, um, I was with uh, Naeem Lin the other day. Do you know him? Uh, he, um, he writes for Kevin Hart, and he, he's an opening for Kevin for like 15 years or something crazy. Mm -hmm. And I was telling him, like, dude, I need a, I need a late night set, and like, I just fuck, I just. I don't know. I don't know how to make a late night set because all my stuff ends with anal. It feels like. Yeah. And he's so like, ask you he's that. like, that's your opening joke. I was like, what for late night? Like, oh, I want to do late night, but I was nervous because all my stuff ends with butt stuff. <laughs> he made it even PG. He made anal butt stuff. He's like, all my jokes end with butt stuff. And he's like, and then at the end of the five minutes, just say, at the end of your set, late night set, just be like, anyway, guys, butt stuff. And he's like, that's your closing joke. And I was like, I would have never thought of that, but it's so funny. And so I can see, like, I was like, I might actually do that. Like, that might be a cool little opening thing you know do you do you feel that okay well, there's so much i want to ask you so you so what happens when you went to the hbo thing and then we'll get back to the butt stuff what happens oh when i went to the when i went to the improv yeah so you go there yeah so i realized that it wasn't what i thought it was like the book was not i probably misunderstood the book yeah and then i was like you know what i'm gonna make i'm gonna do an open mic okay. i'm gonna make a three minutes three minutes that's a special. lot that's a lot well yeah i mean when you start it's like whoa and it's a lot <laughs> three minutes three minutes is a lot standing in front of strangers and not know anything yeah it's it a is lot. it's very intimidating and i i got a i got a microphone and a stand and a speaker and <laughs> you did that in practice i did, I did. see now i didn't do that I'm, I'm that's like you, a I'm, book jamie i'm an eight i'm a math science like or like person so I'm like, all right, I'm going to make a system and this is my hypothesis and this is how I execute the hypothesis. So, I know. I mean, it was, it took a while to get out of that brain, but, um, and so I me, my sister and my dog sit in my living room every night and I would, pr and I would practice these three minutes and my three minutes were about 
because at the time I was dating a lot of women and I was talking about how oh. eating vagina was hard. That was your opener. My first three minutes. You might want to do that as a late night opener. <laughs> Guys, what's the deal with eating pussy? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I, I did that and I figured it out after three minutes. I mean, after a month, my three minutes of eating pussy material was tight and, um, tight eating pussy. Material. It's very tight eating. Yes. And, um, so I went to do this mic at the West side comedy theater, yep. uh, in Santa Monica and, uh, went up there and I was in my head. I thought this is how, how just oblivious I was to stand up. I was like, okay, if everyone's, I want, I want a real reaction to my mm. comedy because if they see me, maybe I'll get an, e it, I thought that if you were a girl and you were above a four, mm -hmm. if you were remotely anything uh, mm. seemingly attractive, it's always weird saying you're attractive, but I would, I would say probably for a comic, I would constitute as a chick that's like seemingly attractive thought that because i was attractive that no one would laugh at my jokes oh, no 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 opposite i thought everyone would laugh at my jokes i was attractive oh that's very uh they call that uh they call that um uh hot fluenza okay but you know obviously i mean maybe you don't know in comedy if you're attractive it's harder it's like way harder i don't know i'm not attractive it's harder it's definitely harder as a chick if you go up there if you're like if you look like Melissa, Mac okay. If you go, if you look like Melissa McCartney, this is a very tough thing to say. Oh boy, is it, this is this is like very tough waters. Uh -oh. All right, if you, okay, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to go there. I wouldn't know anything. Yeah, about being I'm, I don't want to go. <laughs> you're, you're good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> go ahead, say what you're going to say. We can edit what? it out whatever. <laughs> no, it's just like. If you're a big girl that's like not quite cute, it's like it's easier to get laughs if as opposed to if you if you're a Victoria's Secret model and you go up on stage. Like in comedy, it's just harder. Because people are like, why is this pretty person on stage? It doesn't make any sense. People are confused and they're distracted. So but I thought it would be easier. So I'm like, fuck, if I'm hot and I go Do up you there, know why people think that though? That's a good assessment. Do you know why people think that? Um I have a couple hypotheses. I think one, women if women are intimidated by you, then they don't want to laugh because they're like, fuck this bitch. Mm -hmm. And then a guy isn't going to laugh if his girl's uncomfortable because that's basically acknowledging the girl. So what will happen is there's a cascade effect. Well, that's it's also like a guy is looking at you and if he thinks you're hot, he doesn't want to laugh riot. He's thinking about other things. Right. He's not looking too. at it like a And then there's also chuckle. The, the stigma of, of women not being funny so then you're, you're, you're competing as that. And also like the hot stuff It's just a lot. And it's very, it's a lot harder. When Here's what I would say. Yeah. Well, that's just such, just, we got to stay focused. Here's what I would say is that people would wonder why you started comedy because they would think that if you're pretty, your life is perfect. Yes. Your life what is do you not, have to say? your life is not perfect. But that doors will open for you easier yeah. if you're a, uh, an attractive person. And this is men and women. Mm -hmm. And I always do this joke is about there are a lot more beautiful people in comedy since when I started. Because it was mm -hmm. those archetypes. The fat dude, the angry lesbian, the ghetto black guy, the raging gay guy. Like these archetypes. And that's what they were. You know, I was like the young, like goofball. So mm -hmm. it's everyone has these. But now there's like a lot of on both sides men and women so 
that is a big thing, but you have to tell your story. You know what I mean? Of why you're up there and you're just oh, starting. Yeah. But, but I guess my question is, yeah. Like why did you start what your life clearly wasn't that you just happened to look good? Oh, well the reason I was saying that was just because when my first time I did comedy, I covered my whole face up. <laughs> With what? <laughs> I wore, I went up there like Eminem and 8 Mile. I wore baggy sweatpants, a baggy hoodie, and I put my hood on top so you couldn't see my face. And all you could see was my mouth, and I held my head down the whole time because I was trying to hide what I looked like. Wait, can I tell you something? That's pretty dope. That's very <laughs> impressive because do you, because there are women, and I actually have cited you a couple of times, you don't use your sexuality when you're on stage not really not at all which is cool now there are people that do men and women correct yeah i would say and do you think that works for them or doesn't i don't know it's not really in my place to think about it or judge it i'd be i guess why I don't, don't you use your sexuality at all but you really don't because i don't really it's weird i wasn't like an attractive person growing up and i so i was like bullied a lot because i was not cute and what happened? What do you mean? Like, how did I? How'd your face change? Dude, I don't know. Literally. What, would you, what did you look like? I don't know. Just like my my mom. My mom. I mean, I don't know if you know my mom is schizophrenia. So she would like cut my bangs. Mm. They all be jacked up. I didn't really have a mom to like dress me. I wore all these like really ugly clothes. I had a big mole on my face, which mm. I kind of would have showed would have kept because that would have been trademarky. But I had like a mole. Like a big mole on my cheek. And this is when during the Austin Powers, like molly, molly, molly. So I would go down the hallway and everyone would be like, molly, 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 molly. I was like shamed. I would eat lunch by myself. Really? Like, yeah. I was like completely bullied. People would tell me I was ugly. Like I. You didn't have any friends. I didn't have really any friends. And, and, um, I remember, I remember, um. Were you a girly girl no, or a tomboy? Tomboy. Tomboy. No, okay. my dad would like take me hunting and I would have to like skin deer and on the weekends. Grew up in Minnesota? In Minnesota, yeah. I had, I was so bullied. I was like <sighs> so socially awkward. I just like would sit in the corner and read books and. You're um, a bookworm? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, I graduated high school. I started taking college chemistry when I was 15. No. Yeah. Really? I was a freak. Top 1% of my class. Why don't you do jokes about that? About what? That I used to be ugly? No one believes it. Why don't you do jokes about college chemistry? I don't know. I never knew that about you. <laughs> um. Yeah, I was on the debate team. I was... Why don't you do jokes about that? I don't know. That's what you got to jump into. Yeah. Because do you... I started... I tried when I first started stand-up. All my jokes were very intellectual. I would talk about like felon disenfranchisement and what um, felon disenfranchisement is like the ability for felons to vote or not vote or like um, oh. I talked about like a lot of government stuff. All my stand up when I first started comedy was very intellectual about the government, about philosophy, give about me religion. Give me a government joke. Um, I used to have this joke about, mind you, this was my first start stand up, so no judging, but I had this joke about um guantanamo bay okay and i was like oh the it's yeah i was like it's crazy that the worst prison and torture facility in the u.s is called guantanamo bay because it sounds like a vacation destination and i was like how much would it suck if you're like getting i mean it's so different now my comedy style is so different now but i was like wouldn't it suck if you're getting you're in court they're like you're going to guantanamo bay and the guy's like oh man will there be turtles <laughs> 
Like it's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like about that kind of stuff. And, and, um, but everyone just women didn't really relate to it. And so, and then like, I don't know. And I, I would try to get booked on shows and people be like, yeah, your comedy's not really like for our audience. I would, people would tell me that, that it was too offensive. I wasn't PC enough. Offensive. And, you're doing government stuff. I know, but I had like, I used to do this rape joke about uh, this girl I was dating. I don't know. I did like a, I did like everything. You could think of like Bill Burr stuff, like all that kind of like race, religion, politics, like everything but what I talk about now. Okay. Literally. There was like, everything was heady intellectual and it was, um, I would have bookers tell me like, yeah, like, you know, you're funny, but we feel like your comedy is not for our audience or whatever. And so, and then I watched like comics like Becky Robinson or these girls that were kind of in sort of my, not quite my class. Cause she's doing, doing comedy longer than me, but I saw them going up with like jokes about my, my period and stuff like that. And, uh, and then I saw like, I kind of saw Trent. I'm like, fuck dude, all female comics kind of talk about the same stuff. And like, like uh, there's a reason for that Mm -hmm. what do they talk about they all talk about like women versus men or oh makeup i look different or um you know it's a lot of like as a woman this is hard and like my female problems and um like and things that surround that right like my boyfriend does this he's so annoying my husband does that so annoying my makeup my clothes Mm -hmm. you know all that stuff and i was like that wasn't really what i was interested in i didn't really care about any of that stuff and i realized oh like there's a reason why every successful female comic talks about the same stuff it's because that's really the only thing that works when you're a female comic and it kind of sucks dude i talked to sam tripley the other day and he was talking about whitney he's like whitney cummings never used to talk about like man versus women and he's like she used to talk about like all this cool stuff and he's like and then one day she just stopped and i was like yeah there's a reason for that because it's really the only thing that works and everyone complains about what female comics like guys are like female comics talk about their vaginas and it's like yeah because that's really the only thing that kind of works as a female comic it sucks if uh, there's so many times where i wish i was a dude so i could talk about their things because like i'm you know like it's hard. Honestly, like I, uh, it makes me emotional actually. <sighs> Why? Let I don't know. I just, um, I don't, I just, my brain, my brain thinks about everything other than like what I wear. And like, I think about like politics and I think about government. And I think about like all these things and I feel like I have to hide it just so that I can be successful, I guess. And, um, you don't have to, it doesn't work, Jamie. I've tried. I mean, I haven't tried in the last couple of years. Maybe I'm a better comic. I also was like two years in a comedy, so it's different, but I don't think it's a coincidence that all female comics talk about the same thing. I don't think that's a coincidence. You think they all talk about like, because that's the only thing that people want to buy from a female comic. Cause like at the end of the day, you have to sell tickets to women and well you just sell tickets to a certain demographic and like my hope is that our culture will start shifting and women will start being interested in other things right because like unfortunately so many women 
at a young age are trained to just think about getting a boyfriend, getting a husband, what they look like. Like so many women are put into that space. Mm-hmm. That's and that's how our society kind of is. And so that's what women want to listen about because that's what they think about all day. Most women aren't most little girls at eight aren't taught to think about like, hey, what do you think about the government? They're like, no, does that nail polish match those shoes? Mm-hmm. You know, and so that's they're the ones that buy tickets. And so you have to make comedy for them. Otherwise, you, who are you going to be selling tickets to? Well, the eight-year-olds aren't buying the tickets. I know, but when they get when older. When they get older. Yeah. I don't know. But I mean, here's the thing. Yeah. It is hot in here. It got hot <laughs> when you started crying. <laughs> yeah. Which is okay. I love that. Mm. Here's what I would say. I think, I don't know, because I'm mm-hmm. not a woman, so mm-hmm. I, I have no idea. But I think that if you can take these deep subjects that you are in your head and thriving, the hardest thing is to make them funny, right? Isn't mm-hmm. that the hardest thing for anything to yeah. make it funny? If you can somehow try one, just keep your act mm-hmm. and then just try a deep joke. Yeah. I just and, started working on this joke recently about, and try to do a punchline with it. If you can make him funny, yeah, you will shift your thing. Yeah, I know. You need you just need that little kernel to yeah. show you you can do it. Yeah, I started doing this joke recently about um so you know how like a lot of people like think about oh, I was born in the wrong era. Mm-hmm. I was supposed to be born in like the 1800s. Mm-hmm. And I talk about how like shitty it was back then. Mm-hmm. And, like you would die of like a buffalo tan- like stampede or whatever. And then um like how America was found. Okay, like basically the Europeans back in the day had to take a boat to get Indian food. Mm-hmm. Travel three months. And this whole like, you're like, you're like, mm-hmm. anyway, that's like the general premise, right? So it's definitely more, it's not so like conceptually intellectual, but it's like more like about history and. Yes. Are you yawning? No, I'm listening. Here's what I want. You're all over the place. I want Am you I? To, Here's what I want you to know. Okay. I'm here for you. Thanks, Jamie. I'm listening to you. Okay. If I move my knee, uh-huh. it doesn't mean I'm not listening. Mm-hmm. See, you're sensitive to this. Mm-hmm. And I'm here for you. I'm not judging okay. you. I've always been cool with you, right? Mm-hmm. And you've always been cool with me. Yes. So I'm listening. I'm open to it. Mm-hmm. Here, I have a question for you with all this. Mm-hmm. What would you like to achieve in comedy? And if you can reverse engineer it. Maybe mm-hmm. I can tell you an observation or two. Mm. Because you did say you wanted the TV thing and you kind of said you did that because you did the guest spot. You did yeah. the movie. You did, like what you said Madison Square Garden, but what, what would you do? You, do you live and breathe and die comedy? Do you feel psychotic if you don't get on stage? Do you feel like you can go out to a club, but you wouldn't feel fulfilled? Like I would go out to clubs and stuff, but not really. I would go out to comedy clubs and then, I really couldn't go enjoy a nightclub unless I did a couple sets before. Mm-hmm. So that's like, it made me feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. So do you, how do you feel about it? And what would you like to achieve? Like there are people out there that just want to have a killer hour or right. just be able to get on stage. Or there's other people that want to, like you said, play Madison Square Garden. Or there's other mm-hmm. people that really want to get their voice out. What is it that you want to do? And maybe you don't know yet. Um, Hmm. I think why I started stand up was to connect with people. Mm-hmm. 
Very true. That's a good, that's yeah. a very good answer. I think we all do that. I definitely feel that way. Yeah. Like, um, sometimes it feels very hard having conversation in mm-hmm. life, mm-hmm. but for some reason on stage, it feels normal to me. Yes. Like I can talk to these people yes. and maybe it's just cause they're not answering. <laughs> like maybe they're just like having one sided conversation. No, that's not true. Obviously they respond in their own way, but um, I think why I started comedy was because I just really wanted to connect to people and I wanted to um, kind of explore these things with them, right? It's almost like sex in a way. Like, why do you want to have sex? And it's like, well, I like the experience of it. Um, the experience of it or you just like to feel good? No, I like the experience of it. And it, okay. and I, I love, I love learning and exploring and becoming better and connecting with people you know it's interesting i'll have like a spot at like like the improv or something and i'll do like a te- like a 15 minute set of material that i know works or whatever and i'll go up and like have a great set and people are like oh my god you were uh, and i'm like yeah i was fun but that's not my favorite set there my favorite set was like when I went up and just like talked about like things that were interesting to me and it kind of went wherever and you know, like, I guess I don't really, I don't do comedy for validation. I know a lot of comics do that. I know a lot of comics do validate, they want validation. It's not that for me. I don't do it for validation. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just do it because I'm, um, I don't know. Just I know I'm supposed to do it. You're supposed to do it. Yeah, I just know I'm supposed to do it like deep in my soul. And I... I, You don't do it for any validation? No. You don't get up when you get the laughs. You don't feel good. Don't feel better about yourself. You don't feel like you're connecting. You don't feel more understood. Um, I definitely feel... No valid. You're saying you do no validation. That's a big statement. Yeah, I know. I don't. I don't do it for. I don't. This is what I would akin to. I would akin to sex. There's women or there's people who have sex because they feel like I'm not enough. And if this person wants me, then maybe I'm enough. Totally. Right. And the same could be said for comedy. I'm not enough. I get on stage. People like me, so I'm enough. A totally. lot of comics feel that way. Totally. So I'm not that. There are, what I would say is, is like, I am a person and life is life. And then I see another person and I'm like, oh, like you seem cool. Let's have sex together and explore it and see where it goes. Mm-hmm. And the, the, and I can have sex for five hours. I just love the exploration of sex. Mm. So. <laughs> it's a long time. Yeah. So. Got stuff to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've done seven sets in a night and then go and fucked for five hours afterwards. So. <laughs> Wait, say that again. What? <laughs> I said I've done seven sets in a night and then I went and had sex for five hours. Yep. Where did you do seven sets? <laughs> Where did you do seven sets? Well, a lot of them were at the haha, so I definitely probably had to get... Uh, void filled after that but seven sets uh, a lot of them in the valley yeah I'm, and then a five hour 
sex session. With with uh, one person? One person usually. A man or or a woman or depends. It depends. You're uh, what they what are you pansexual? Bisexual. Bisexual. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Just keep going. So that's like that's like a ten hour day you got there. I'm assuming the sets were five hours. And yeah. Wow. So yeah. Wow. Okay. But the comedy is kind of like that, where it's just like this, um, this beautiful. Have you ever had sex where you kind of just melted into each other, and then time doesn't exist anymore, and you guys are just like two souls, kind of like merging? Yeah, but sometimes the Percocet was involved. <laughs> But you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, so I I think I chased that with comedy. Because I feel like that as in comedy a lot of times. Like when everything's right, where I'm not worried about... Where I'm not worried about being good, right? Because if you're... Subscribe! Do they like me? Is this good? Am I... Subscribe! Fucking, you're not really in the moment. You're an ego-driven thing. So, like, when I go on stage and I'm just present, and they're present, and it's this sort of thing that we kind of create and it's a beautiful experience mm-hmm. that just happens. So that's comedy and sex are very, they're the same to me to you. Okay. Yeah. And you, so you get up in front of a group of strangers at night and I subscribe. You are very, I, you know, you bring it up. I didn't, you're very, you, you get down you talk about the sex a mm-hmm. lot. And you, one of the reasons I wanted you on this pause is because you were saying things to me and, uh, a fascinating way, but maybe I'm ignorant, where you were talking about going on the road. Now, you, oh. you were in a relationship or you're not, and it doesn't matter. It's not in my business. When I was on the road or now? I think, I think you ha- you have, you're in some sort of relationship. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, you said you would go on the road, but not when you were in your relationship. Uh-huh. Tell me when I'm wrong. And you would have sex with a guy. Mm-hmm. And they would be clingy. Yes. So, and you talked about it like a male. Again, I'm not being ignorant 2021, but only because I know how men are. You talked about it like a man. Mm-hmm. And you were like, explain that process to the listeners because I was fascinated by it. Because I've never heard a female comic say it the way you said it. Just want to f- subscribe. <laughs> That's what you said. My- subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean. That's your opener for the yeah, late right. night set. Yeah, yeah, so Do that again. Was, anyway, this is my five minutes for Conan. R.I.P. Um, to Conan. So sad he's done. But probably good for him. He's probably happier now. Um, I. <laughs> dude, when you go on the road. I mean, again, it's like sex is like comedy for me. So it's like, okay, I, I fucking do my two spots at the club and then I want to keep going. Yeah. So I find the person. You're headlining. Now I'm headlining. And so yeah. you're doing an hour of 45 what? 45. 45. 45, yeah. Okay. Um, so you I do your two sets and then you're all sets. jacked up. Don't you get horny after comedy? There are times for sure. Right? Yes. Because it's like, oh. So... When I go on the road, which, okay, when I go on the road, I do three things, always. I find the best restaurant in town. Yep. Not a fancy one, but just like a good restaurant. I go to a museum and I go to a strip club. Okay. Those are the three things every time, every weekend. Okay. I do that. 
So I do those things, and then usually you sound like a male comics, except the strip, except the museum part. Go ahead, <laughs> except the museum. Um, Although Chris Millhouse, shout out, go ahead. He does the museum stuff. He loves. It's museums. fun. You get to just like learn about their culture, and he'll go to two museums and forget the strip club. Oh yeah, and no, find the best rrr. burrito. Boo! Gotta so, do both. Okay. My favorite is when you go to a strip club in like the middle of nowhere, and there's just chicks pregnant on fucking stage. stripping is very like comedy to me comedy because they have to gain the audience and um so you go you want to find the best restaurant best restaurant go to museum best museum and the best strip club and then i want to find like the hottest person in this town hottest person could be man or a woman yeah okay so i'll go to a couple bars and um you know they don't usually come up to you after the show i don't really like to like shit where i eat well, usually they're customers, so they leave where you shitted. I know, but okay, I so don't know. I've never really subscribe person from my show. Okay, that's a male comic thing for sure. Male comics love subscribe. people at their shows. That's like the most the reason why they do shows. That's what they tell me. That's what they tell you. A lot of comics, male comics, are like, "Oh, I started comedy because I wanted girls to like me." Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, so if I was a male comic, I would do my thing, and then I would do the meet and greet, and then I would just like. The three hottest girls, I would give them all my numbers. Yeah. I'd be like, here, text me. Yeah. And then of the three, at the end of the night, whoever was the hottest of the three, I would be like, come to my hotel room. That's what I would do. I would make it into a system. So you would do everything that uh, men are accused of They're being getting in trouble for, for right now. I would do it. You would just. <laughs> it's efficient. Girl. You, they're already wet. They like you. They they laughed at you for an hour. Why wouldn't you fuck them? By the way, you're not doing them a disservice. Mo- coming as a woman who sat through a comedy show of a man killing it on comedy, I'm like, I want to fuck this guy so bad. He's so funny. So as a woman, I know that if a dude kills on stage the whole time and everyone's laughing at him and they're all, ah. as a woman, you're like, I want to fuck that guy. Yeah. I'm like, you're wet after watching a person crush it on stage for an hour. So then they, and then they subscribe. That's like a night. That's like a night come true. I would say. You're saying it's a bonus. It's a bonus. It's a little add So like if I was a chick in like Wisconsin Mm -hmm. and I worked on a dairy farm and my life was boring and then I went to a show and there was a male comic there and he was fucking hot and he murdered for an hour. And Mm. then after it was like, do you want to come to my hotel room? I'd be like, oh my God. This is amazing. And I would subscribe. Like, this is the best night of my life. Yeah. People are complaining, which obviously there's some, some stuff there that's wrong. But anyway, I do that with dudes. So you do that with dudes. Yes. And the problem is, is that what I've experienced is a lot of these dudes will subscribe night and then they're like sleep over and then they start planning their move to Los Angeles. Wow. Yeah, it's happened to me three times now. And, you know, they're always like hot and 25. And they're like, no, my life sucks because I'm not married and I'm a loser. Because in these towns, everyone's married at like 18. He's like, oh, you know, my friends are divorcing now and on their third marriage and I'm 25, an old fart. And you're like, all right, dude, come here with your fucking. Subscribe. And it's great. And then, like, by the next morning, they, they're like, so, like, when should I come and visit you in L.A.? Like, what's the. Mm-hmm. That's how my last, my last, I got engaged in this situation. A guy that I met in Vegas. They, they wanted a second date. <laughs> you gotta get him somehow. 
That's how I got engaged, Jamie. How did you get engaged? I didn't know. A guy in Vegas. I met a guy in Vegas. Subscribe. And then he kept one of these five hour sessions. So you had sex with a guy. So good. And you had so good sex. Hours. 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 He came like seven times. Seven times. Wow, this is a lot. Yeah, I was. Was there dust at the end? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So then what happened? Then he started this visiting me in Los an Angeles. This just became OnlyFans podcast. Jesus Christ. This is, I love the trajectory. Like, this podcast we, is so confusing. There's so much happening. It started happening. with, well, like, enlightenment yes. in Alaska and then to trauma. Yes. Comedy writing and now yes. my sex addiction. Yes. Um, yeah, he just visited me in L.A. a bunch. And then we we he, like, was like, I like you. And I was like, I like you, too. I like you. And yeah. then, like, he moved to L.A. and proposed to me while I was sleeping. How do you propose to somebody when you're asleep? That's was, a little bit of a I was me too. Asleep. That's a proposed too. Yeah, it was a fuck. I got marriage rape, Jamie. Marriage too. Yeah. <laughs> do you do this joke? Yeah. You got married. Wait, so you're asleep and he's like. I'm asleep. Puts a ring Jamie, on your finger. He puts, he starts playing music on his phone. It's like two in the morning. He starts playing John Legend on his iPhone on high volume, which we all know sounds like dog shit. A phone, an iPhone on high volume always, it was like, raw, raw, raw. It sounded like Rob Zombie doing John Legend. Can you tell this is a bit I do? Um, And and then he puts the ring on my finger. I just like felt it. And I was like, because it was dark. I'm like, it feels big. And then I fell back asleep. Feels big, but you didn't think it was, it wasn't fleshy. So it wasn't that thing. It was a, it was a ring. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, sure. And then I woke up and I was like, fuck, dude. Okay, whatever. I'm glad I got to f- figure this out. One less thing to worry about. So you did you did he ask you to marry you? Yeah. Or did, and you were like, I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I do. <laughs> but you were asleep. Yeah. So what happened? So, so we, you woke we up. We got engaged. With the zales on your finger. We got engaged. We were engaged for a month. And then I found out I didn't even have his real Instagram. And why? Yeah. And what happened? Then I confronted him. About found what? The gram? That I didn't have his real Instagram. Okay. Found out the ring was from eBay. Found out that he had like two other chicks that thought they were going to get married to him. One of them had cancer. Her name's Kelly. Cancer Kelly. I get on FaceTime with all these bitches. We cross-referenced the whole thing. How he's been like lying and manipulating all these women. Why does he want to marry them all? I don't know. It's so strange, right? He could have just a Pisces. Hung out with them. I think they just love love. He's gonna so he had three women on deck. Three, a lot, and they, he wanted them all to get pregnant. He was trying to have a baby like so bad. He, oh. he just really wanted another kid like so bad, and uh, and then and then out of revenge, like the Scorpio me, I was like, I must have revenge, and then I uh, I bought a fake pregnancy test on Amazon. Yes. 500 reviews, four and a half stars. That's how I know I'm not the only crazy fucking cunt in this town. All these bitches are like, it worked great. Fooled my fucking ex-boyfriend that I was pregnant. It's this pregnancy test that always says you're pregnant. I got it. Took a photo of my hand. I was like, hey, I'm pregnant. Because that's what he wanted. He wanted a second kid, dude. And uh, I like, I love you on that. This is crushing way harder than my Indian bit about the. (laughs) Do you do um, do do this as a bet? Uh, not really. You should. Um, so he, he, I'm like, I'm pregnant. He's like, fuck. Okay. He's like, I love you. Like, let's have this baby. This is, and then COVID happens. COVID happens. This was like, I send him my, my pregnancy test on March 15th, 2020. This is like two days before the lockdown. I was 
Um, I was in Houston headlining a club. Anyway, so then we had this like fake baby for three months, two, three months. What? Yeah, during COVID. He was, I was with my family in Minnesota. You had a fake like beginning trimester. Yeah. Okay. For like two, three months, he was flying to me during the middle of COVID. This is like when there was like three people on an airplane. He was flying to me every two weeks to like feel our baby. And Jimmy, I'm not a good actor. Like I'm trash. I had to pretend like I had this baby. I was like, he put his hand on my stomach. He's like, I feel like it's a girl. I'm like, me too. I do too. And we had this fake baby for so long. And then finally I was like, fuck, like I'm probably gonna get my, he was about to come see me again. And I was like, I'm due for my period. Like how am I going to fucking, I'm due for my aunt Flo or the fuck you want to call it. What am I going to do? So I, we get into a fight. I like manufacture a fight. And then I don't talk to him for two days. And I'm like, I went to the Planned Parenthood and I got rid of it. And he's crying. He's like, I just, I'm sorry if I died. I just really loved you. And I'll regret this for the rest of my life. And I was like, good. And, um, and so we, then we got back together. Cause I was like, the dick is good. And, um, we got back together. We moved in together for like a couple months during COVID. Oh my God. <laughs> What? This is so <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> you moved in after all of this? After I aborted our fake baby. And, um, and then, oh my God. And then we broke up again. Oh, we broke up after, after I did the first time I did ayahuasca. Cause I did ayahuasca and I was like, this is toxic. <laughs> you think? <laughs> and we broke up. <sighs> And um, the next day I met my boyfriend that I have now. The next day? Yeah. You just broke up with the fake baby daddy. <laughs> Wait a minute. I Before know. I go to that. So. You, you, you made the guy travel during COVID. That's fucked up, Vanessa. He wanted to. He wanted to be with his child. Why didn't you say, you know what? You're a fucking piece of shit. I'll tell you why. And then I told this to him a couple months ago. We're still friends. I told him. (laughs) You need about 10 podcasts. Here's the thing with you. You got to exhaust every story thoroughly. (laughs) Your problem is there's too many synapses. You're asking me questions and I'm answering them. I know, but you have to stand this up. So let's say it. This is crazy. So go ahead. Why did you make... I think besides the fake baby and all that, the most fucked up thing is, yeah, he didn't seem like a great guy, what he was doing with all these women, but... To make him travel during COVID. I told, I'll tell you what I told him. I told him, because I told him, you know, after like six months or a year, he thought it was the baby died. And then I told uh, him. And then to make a fake baby die. It's, <laughs> it's so fucked up. I was like, I told him, I was like, I just want you to know that I was never pregnant. It was fake. Mm-hmm. And I did it because I wanted you to know what it feels like to revolve your life around a lie because that's what you have done to countless women over the last decade. And I, I want you to know what it fucking feels like. How does it fucking feel? That's a mic drop. Yeah. yeah that's a good, that's a good, yeah. It's a lesson. Okay. I'll shut up. I was that. doing it for all the women out there. You were the hero. Yeah. So wait, hold on. How did you meet the guy the next day? Well, we... Or it was a guy you were hooking up with? No, it was a guy we like, we had just, we... I matched him on a dating app like the week before ayahuasca and then um, we started hanging out and then I was still kind of seeing my ex. After ayahuasca, broke up with him and then I just... But it wasn't like 2 p.m. broke up with ayahuasca, 3 p.m. moving in with a new guy you never met. No, no, no. Okay. No. 
Hold on, let me ask you questions because we got. Jeez. Yeah, how are we doing on? It's crazy. It's already been an hour th- twenty-five. Can you believe this? Okay, you're. I asked you that. I asked you that. I asked you that. Okay, you're pretty um, with your views, you know, and you're a comedian, and you're a woman. I mean, I hate labels. You're just a you know a, a human to me. But let's just say uh, I'll just say these labels, and you'll tell me you're a woman, right? Mm-hmm. Identify a woman, but you're bisexual. Mm-hmm. But you're a comedian. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, are very pretty, you know. Thank you. And you don't use that on stage, That's which is very true, you know. And you also do shows with everybody in town, which, you know, I mean, now you've booked me on some of the hottest shows. Mm-hmm. You know, you also are getting into that game. And you work with, you know, beginning comics and you work with, you know, superstars. So you're all in the game. And you go up on stage and I've seen you have killer sets, you know, and I've also seen, you know, you have, you know, a joke or two misses happens. Just like, you know, I have get on stage and I have some off jokes and things. You know, you're just what I'm saying is you're living the life Mm -hmm. as a comic. You did some joke. I forget. I was at Whitley and you were talking about something and it was getting such. I followed you and I forget. Maybe it was your closer. What was the joke? What was that joke? It was it was killing. What the fuck was that joke? What's your closer? I don't have a consistent closer. consistent closer. I don't know. Um, it was it about broke guys? Was it about uh, yes? It was about how did if you're gonna have sex, have sex. Oh no, broke guys are better at sex. Yeah, because it's rich like, guys because they don't have a life. Yeah, and I was. I thought that was a really good. They don't have there. a job. Yeah, so it's like that's the one. They have thing. nothing else to do but fuck you. Yeah, so uh-huh. it's like that's why. And the rich guys fuck you for like five minutes, but you can't complain. Yeah, because it's like you're gonna eat truffle. Right. Exactly. But the broke guys will put in those five six hours. Yeah, exactly. Because they don't have a, a they day don't have job. a job. Yeah, exactly. So and you can tell them what to do. I thought that was really funny. It's a good premise. And Thank it's, you. And it's true. It you is know true. I mean, I would. I mean. Not that I fucked a bunch of rich guys or broke guys, but I think that's probably very true. It's very true. Uh, so. My question is, with men, with all the stuff that's going on with men, you know, what do you do? You run into a lot of scumbags in comedy. That's my first question. Mm. Or do you run in? Yes or no? No, you don't. Mm -mm. Right? No. But I'm also I was I was raised by a dude. You know what I mean? So you're saying your shell's a little tougher. Yeah, and I think guys have a sense of humor that's a little more edgy and like guys like guys well, that's will, not true though no I mean, guys will guys will joke about oh, dude, i'm gonna fuck the shit out of you like they'll do that to a dude you know what i mean and i think a girl hears that if you're not around guys a lot you're like fuck you wanted to fuck me i think dudes just like there are female comics that are edgier than a lot of dudes yeah yeah, yeah. oh for sure this is a generalization, generalization. obviously yeah. obviously but um you know i I, uh, yeah, not really. I mean, I have male comics that I've had to check. Be like, hey, like, stop fucking, don't talk to me like that. Or, hey, this isn't appropriate. What was, what's an inappropriate thing that was said to you? I've had a male comic, I've had a male comic tell me that he's like, uh, he's like, you know, I love you like a sister, but sometimes I just want to subscribe. Yeah. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, and before or after your set, <laughs> uh, this isn't one I've like known for a while. So, you know, like in that circumstance, it's like, Hey, like don't, 
like stop you know and i remember been put in a situation where i felt like pressured by any by any means mm-hmm. you know i've had a couple male comics that like just went in to kiss me randomly just like out of nowhere yeah, yeah. um and what do you do i just laugh i'm like what are you doing dude <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bruh. What are you doing? Yeah, bruh. <laughs> what are you doing? That is a diss. Yeah, but it's also like a funny. Di- it's fu- you're trying to. It's gotta be. It's gotta be horrifically tough to be to like to sit there and to put up with this shit. But you're saying you don't only really put up with it. No, I don't put up. with You it. don't see a lot of guys who fuck with you. Uh. Uh-uh. They don't. No. But if a guy got to kiss you, which is oh, so fucking creepy, and then you're like, hey, bro, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? So- I used to date. Um, I used to date a male comic. Uh, I used to hook up with. Oh, I hooked up with this comic. And um, and he was one of those people that just went in to kiss me randomly. And I was like, what are you doing? And then we ended up kind of hanging out. It kind of worked, I guess. It kind of worked. Well, it was weird, but then we kind of ended up hooking up. And then we. Uh, we stopped hooking up because he was like working on something in the morning and I like forced him to have sex with me and he was like trying to leave. Mm. <laughs> He's like, cause I really got to go home and I have this thing. It's like very important. I'm like, you better fuck. You better hook up. Now I don't know how to talk. You better, you better make sex on me or I'm going to get angry. Yeah. And I basically like forced him up to my room yeah. to hook up with me. And, um, and then we kind of stopped hooking up after that. I basically me too'd him. Anyway, when this whole me too thing happened last summer with the Delia stuff, he hit me up. He was like, I just want to make sure that like, is everything okay with us? Like you didn't feel uncomfortable. I, I've had a lot of male comics hit me up. Like, Hey, did I ever make you feel like weird or uncomfortable? Or like, is everything okay? I got a lot of calls. I got a lot of fucking calls during that time. Really? And I told him, I was like, dude, if anything, I me too'd you. I basically forced you up into my room. I mean, we were already been hooking up. Who? Who, who, which um, person? You just are like saying names, but you didn't say, so this is saying you're, these are people you hooked up with? There's people that I hooked up with that called me to make sure that everything was consensual. Uh, there were people that I never you had hooked- had a lot of calls. No. How many comics have you hooked up with? I've, I've been in a relationship, like I said, I love you to two comedians. Wow. And then I've hooked up with three comics in addition to that. So five. Yeah, five. Five within the community. Five in the community. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so you got calls and calls people wanted to check in. To make sure, like, hey, was everything consensual with that? And I'm with like, people yeah. that you had. Hooked up with. And, and then people that I never didn't. hooked up with. Yeah. People that, um, like, for example, the person that said, I, I want to fuck you, but you remind me of my sister. Like, that person called me. Hey, just want to be sure. He was probably sweating. Oh, yeah. His tits Just want to make sure everything's okay. Uh, yeah. And I was like, no, it's not. I was like, not for me. But because I have a lot of women hit me up that say you're creepy to them. And it's like, I care about you as a friend, so stop being fucking stupid. Like, I got mad at him because I was like, you're being dumb. And like, especially after the Louis C.K. thing, how are you still talking like this? And I'm not even offended for myself. I'm upset because you're going to get in trouble. And I, I'm going to have to talk about it because people are going to ask, oh, because Vin- they know we have an association, you know? This, the whole thing is just so dumb. But, like, at the end of the day... What's dumb? Just the whole fucking... Like, this whole thing. What's the whole thing? The whole thing with, like, male comics, fucking people, and everyone being surprised. It's like, all comics are weird. 
all comics are fucking strange. They're all weird. Every comic's weird. And if you're not weird, you're probably not funny. So you're probably not successful. Every successful comic is, is a little weirdness in them. There's always one. There's comics that I've been with that I'm like, this is the nicest person, the pure soul, the goodest human being. And then I'll see something. It doesn't have to be sexual. Just something snaps. Then I'm like, whoa, no, you're not normal. None of these people are normal. You know what I mean? The female comics, none of them are normal. A lot of them are fucking batshit crazy too. Mm. So it's like, it's like going into an insane asylum and being surprised. Mm-hmm. Why is, you know, it's just like, oh my God, they like, they hit on a woman. It's like, why would most comic, why wouldn't you? What's the point of doing comedy if you're not going to go to fuck somebody? Listen. I'm like, I sound like a male comic. It's like so angry. You do. <laughs> I'm the voice of a generation. There's a lot of reasons to do comedy. And one of them is validation, which you yeah. say you don't do it for. But validation from women is the definite big part of it. Yeah. For sure. But it's also being great at it, getting heard, expressing your ideas. But yes, for sure, rock stars, actors, athletes. How come no one's me tooing those rock star guys? Um, How come no one's talking about those motherfuckers? I know chicks that I know girls that are like, yeah, I hooked up with the lead singer of this super famous rock band, but I had to subscribe remember before I could get to him. How come none of those guys are getting in trouble? Yeah, I yeah, music is insane. How I, come no one's how come no one's surprised? How I, come no one's in shock? It's because comics are weird and nerdy and they're like, me, 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 my shoes. And then they're like, wait, how come that guy touched a girl? There but when you see a rock star who's like out there with his dick, no one's surprised. Like, yeah, everyone should be sucking his you know. Now I don't know what words I can say. You can say whatever you want. Oh, okay. I'm like worried about this. Like, am I allowed to say I'm dick? Joking. I feel like I'm doing a dick little bit. You're doing a what? <laughs> dick <laughs> is fine. Look, I agree with you. There's a lot of people getting a pass yet. I think, I think the thing with all of this stuff is this, is this, is, you know, it's, I have to talk, dance around how to I'm say I'm going to get it. in trouble. I don't even like talking about it. Cause every you time just I, did. I delete it, every time I talk about it, I get in trouble. By who? Does it go viral? Yes. It, the thing that I said about, I was like, I said, I said on a podcast. I will never, let me just say this. I'm going to say this. I'm not going to post anything that makes you uncomfortable. Okay. So, I, I and said, I know what to edit. I said on a podcast. Oh Yeah. If I was a male comic, I would hook use up with the all these and girls and I would use a meet and greet to hook up with these girls. That's what most of these guys do. That went viral and got me in trouble with some of the guys that got me to that year because they're like, why is Vanessa perpetuating this fucking thing? And I'm like, dude, I, it was Look, a joke. I did it three years ago. You just said this. As a woman, you see a guy on stage that gets you. Yeah. Yeah. Validation is that that's no. Funny. As like, a woman, when you see a guy killing on stage as yeah. an audience member, that gets you hot. Exactly. Hot. And so, so I fucked. That's why I've hooked up with five comedians. Yeah. Okay. And said I love you to two of them. You love you. Too. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to say anything to them now, dear? But you, but you miss them. No. So, okay. So, yeah. So obviously, we all know this. We all know that people who perform, what's the term, groupies, chuckle fuckers. It's all about consent, though. And that's where a lot of this stuff gets muddy, right? Like, what was not consensual, what isn't, you know? And I think the thing is, you're speaking a lot of truth, you know? People go on stage, they go to small towns, they hook up, they have fun, everybody's having a good time. But now, because of this, everybody's on eggshells, and we should get better, but we should also admit what's really happening, what's well, happened. There's no system in place 
to protect anybody in these circumstances. Like, I wish we had an app. Mm-hmm. It's a good idea. That you knew your pin and you could go, I decided to fuck, I decided to hook up with this person. That's going to, and it's that's recorded. I would do that. I would record like, the sex or just record it. No, no, no not record it's the sex. It's called a blockchain. Yeah, like a blockchain. Yeah, we could do that. Like a Bitcoin for hooking up. Like you, because think about it. Think about how many famous people have their assistant give NDAs to people mm-hmm. before they hook up with them. That's mm-hmm. very common. Like mm-hmm. with those famous people, oh, sign this NDA. If there was an app, like if I was, if I was like um, a Delia or someone, I would, mm, I would be like, hey, you have to sign this thing that you said yes to hooking up with me. Or like there's an app where you like, I consent to hook up with this person. So that it's recorded. Like there was a written thing like this person said yes. And it can't be disputed. And honestly, after what's happening where people's careers are getting destroyed, that's the only way I would hook up with someone. And yeah, maybe there might be a couple people like, well, I don't feel comfortable. Fine. It's not worth it. I, there's, if you're a Dalia, there's 10,000 hot girls that want to be with you. Mm-hmm. you know how many dates I've been on with women? The hottest women I've ever seen in my entire life that I've been dates on with women that brought Dalia up to me like oh do you know him and I'm like oh you're trying to hook up you're with me trying to hook up with Dalia mm. like Dalia is a desirable person there's a lot of chicks that want to hook up with him so if there's a girl who's like oh I don't feel comfortable for saying that I consented who cares he doesn't care there's so many girls that want to hook up with him mm. so I would say it's 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 worth it's worth the 20% that don't want to do it because of the app so that you don't lose your job or your career and deal with this crap mm. right don't you think Hundred percent. Are we gonna start a biz, Jamie? I think that's a good idea. What should we name it? I don't know. (laughs) There is an app. There is some kind of thing called consent. I think it's out there. Seriously? I think you should look it up. I consent. But yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) Look, I could talk to you on that note uh, for a long time, but I have. Listen, you, you, you need about ten podcasts. (laughs) And it did get it did get hot in here, it's right? It's very hot. Once the, the, I'm warm. Yeah, you got, <laughs> once, the, once the tears started flowing. Yes, but the, you you did a lot. We you, did. We went through a lot. You of feel things. good, right? Yeah. Hit the gram. Hit him with your instas. Hit him with everything. At Please Violet follow Jones. her. What do you want? Your new name is what? Violet Jones on Instagram. Your yes. Twitter. Violet Jones. If you just like a Violet Jones. Facebook. I don't have a Facebook yet. I need to make one. Okay, and you have a YouTube. Um. Everything, just Instagram. Instagram's where it's at. Do Instagram. You got a TikTok? I do. Violet Jones Comedy. Violet Jones Comedy. Baby. Listen, this was interesting. (laughs) There's going to be a lot of clips. (laughs) I think you could, I think it could be very interesting. (laughs) You didn't say it was good. Thank you for, oh, it was good. It got really fucking hot. It's so hot in here. Now, I know. Once you started talking about your period. Yeah, just the river flowing, the and heat, the fake the heat baby. wave. Jesus, we cover so much. But follow uh, Violet right now. Uh, listen, I really, you know, like getting to know you a lot. I think you're awesome, and we've, you know, it's nice working with you. Thanks, Jamie. I told you it would happen, and it did. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>